Well, we're going to be in Hebrews 11 tonight, like I told you this morning, at least part of the time anyway. We're going to start in verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Now, like we've mentioned this morning, and we even, you know, talked a little bit about faith this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter. Uh, that's what it's known as. <clears throat> and that's what it deals with to the great, I mean, a great degree. It gives you many examples of faith. And really, you know, we could we could read through uh, this whole chapter and and just pick it apart and do a whole Bible study on Hebrews 11. But really tonight where I want to focus is we're going to really kind of talk about David and uh, the example of faith he gave. Uh, and I, I realize that the biggest portion of this chapter actually deals with Abraham, but... Tonight I want to look at David. So let's start in verse 32 of chapter 11, and we're going to read through verse 40. I actually need to turn over one more page. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all having attained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. <clears throat> so you know, Paul's... Well, actually, we don't know that Paul wrote this. It could have been someone else, because the author's never really revealed. But the writer of, of Hebrews here tells you that he could have, you know, went on giving examples. And if y'all read Hebrews 11 tonight, this afternoon, you, you know there was many examples he gave, but you can see that he could have went on talking and talking and talking. And he said, you know, time just does not permit me to do that. He could have talked about all kinds of things. But let's uh, turn in your Bibles back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to look at David's encounter with Goliath. We're 
going to start in verse 23. I'm just going to kind of hit the high parts of this story. Many of y'all have heard this story, how David was still a young guy here. And he came to meet his brothers to bring them some provisions. And at this point, he's kind of just hanging around listening to, to what's going on. Verse 23, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Why wasn't David afraid? And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Now y'all listen to David. And David spake to the man that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou might seest the battle. Now David... You know, his brother was, for whatever reason, didn't like David, apparently. Had something against him. But you can see that was not the intent of David's heart. That's not why he was there. And in fact, when everybody else ran scared, David was standing there wondering why they're putting up with this. And Goliath, he said, what did he say? He said, he defies the army of the living God. See, David knew where his faith was. David knew who his faith was in. That's why he was mentioned over in Hebrews chapter 11, because of his faith. And what did David do? Now, let's, I, want to, I want to share all of this with you. I'm going to bring this all together. Y'all just hang on. <clears throat> Verse 42. Skip on down just a little bit. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, his, he, dis, <clears throat> he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. What does that mean? He looked kind of soft. He, he was he was good-looking guy. He didn't look very tough. You know, the, these other guys were warriors and had been for quite some time. But here's this young kid that is going to stand there and defy him. 
And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, to the beasts of the field. Now, listen, this is a huge man. Huge. Talking to this kid. And you think a natural person, somebody that didn't have some source of faith greater than themselves, wouldn't be scared? I mean, here is this entire army of men, seasoned veteran fighters. And when Goliath come out to oppose them, they all ran. And you mean to tell me that they couldn't have all got together and attacked Goliath and took him down? But they're afraid because they forgot where their faith was. You know, you can look at all, all through the Old Testament and see all the times that the children of Israel fought and because God was on their side, they prevailed. Numbers didn't matter. Equipment didn't matter. What mattered, in fact, many times you will see they're vastly outnumbered because God wanted to show them and demonstrate His power. So here's this little kid standing in front of a giant. And I say kid, he was probably, you know, an older teenager, early 20s at the, at, the, at the oldest. But he was a young man. Standing there defying this giant. <clears throat> Verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into, thy, into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and, his will, and He will give you into our hands. Man, that is some bold talk when you're standing facing a giant, ain't it? Now how do y'all reckon that, that David was able to talk like that to this giant? Do you think it was stupidity? You know, most people would look at him and say, man, you ain't got a lot of sense. Standing there talking like that to this guy that's twice, if not two and a half times your size. But you see, David understood what faith was. He knew who his faith was in. And I want y'all to take it a little bit step further. It's not just believing in God, but it's knowing what God is capable of and who God is. You see, when you understand God to that kind of degree, you can talk with that kind of boldness. And why am I telling y'all this today? Do y'all Are y'all about to go into battle? No. There ain't nobody waiting outside to attack you tonight. But you know what? We've got giants. And you go on and look a little further, you'll see that David knew how to handle a giant too. 
You know what I learned a long time ago? When you've got a giant in your life, you better kill the giant. You see, you don't just knock him down. Because that giant's going to get up and he's going to be mad. You see, that stone that David threw didn't kill the giant. But it did hurt him and it knocked him down. And what did David do? He went and finished the job. He took off his head. You see, that is how uh, Christians need to conquer giants in their life. I've had some giants in my life. And you know, there's times that I didn't kill them. There's times that I thought, well, this is good enough. I'll be all right from here. I've kind of defeated him, you know. And before I know it, that giant has reared his ugly head. And he comes back stronger than the first time. See, he's mad. The devil does not like to be beat. The devil does not like to give up any ground to you. He doesn't want to give up any territory. And when you take something back from him, you better make sure that you kill it and put it to death. Now that's a little off topic, but I'll throw that one in for free. Turn back over to Hebrews 11. And let's look up at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You know, really, we don't have to go no further. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. Now, y'all listen to this verse. This verse right here can preach this whole message by itself. Let's start over. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now there's three parts to that verse that we need to remember and focus on right now. It's impossible to please God without faith. He that cometh to God must believe that He is. That He is what? That He is God. That He is who He says He is. That He is the great I Am. And, to tie in with this morning, that He is rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. See, that's hope. That's a goal. That's something that we talked about this morning. It's something to strive for. That God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. That's something that you can hang on to. Something you can believe in. That's a promise. You've got to believe that He is. What does it mean to believe that He is? What, what all does that include? It includes everything this Word tells us about God. You have to believe that He is everything that He claims to be. Because see, God does not honor your faith on your own terms. Now did you hear what I said? God doesn't honor your faith on your own terms. See, you can't 
Come up with your own ideal of what you think God is and say, okay, this is what I'm going to believe. This is where I'm going to put my faith. You know what He's going to do? He's going to say, I ain't got time for that. Because that's not what I said. Man, that seems kind of harsh, don't it? Sorry. God is only truthful to what God said, not what you think. God is only going to stand by what He said He's going to do, not what you think He ought to do. So when you start uh, questioning God, you need to make sure the thing you're questioning is a promise of God. Is it something God said He would do? If you start questioning God on what you feel like He ought to do, you're just, you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, spinning your wheels. You're not making any progress because you're not looking to God, you're looking to yourself. Your faith needs to be based on something solid. Something that, that is going to last. A promise of God. So that's what it means when it says <clears throat> that you must believe that He is. I want to look at another verse here. If I can remember which one it is. Hang on one second. Let's start in verse 8 of chapter 11. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Now, y'all understand something about Abraham. He, Abraham, as far as I can tell, really didn't know anything about God. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have uh, some other means of knowing anything about God other than God called him out. God spoke to him and said, Come out from among them. So, you see... For, for Abraham, now I don't know, God may have demonstrated Himself somehow to Abraham other than just a, a, a voice. But for Abraham to just put everything down, leave what he knew to be home, leave his families, friends, the whole place he lived in to just pick up and move, took a great deal of faith. Believing in somebody he didn't even truly know yet. But I have to believe that God somehow showed Himself to Abraham. I don't mean visually, but He showed Abraham something about Himself. And Abraham had to say to, say to himself, Man, this is so much different from any other God I've ever heard of. It must be real. By faith He sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amen. 
Skip on down to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now you don't think Abraham sat there and thought about that for a while? See, God, God wanted him to do the unthinkable. And you think, now listen, I've been in a situation, not anything like what Abraham went through, but the kind of scenario where God has promised something, and then later on it kind of seems like God wants me to give this up. And that's how Abraham was here. God had promised that through his seed, the world was going to be blessed. That he was going to be the father of many nations. And here God is taking the promise and telling him to kill it. Now I want you all to understand, besides the fact that he's going to have to sacrifice his son, okay? Let's just set that aside for a minute. He is fixing to kill the promise that God had for him. Do away with it. Man, that takes some great faith. I want you to understand that he had to have such faith in God to believe that if God is going to take it away, he's going to provide something better. He's going to also have the power to restore it. You know, this is his son. Hey, let's bring that back into the picture. This is his son. He had to have faith in God that I'm about to kill my son. God's going to have to bring him back to life because this is the promise. This is how the world is going to be touched and blessed. It's through him. That's faith, man. I can't even hardly comprehend that kind of faith. Let's keep reading in verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up. See, that's what I was just telling you. Even from the dead, and whence also he received him in a figure. That's amazing faith. That's why they call him the father of faith. I'm going to tell you all, there ain't many people that could have, that could have withstood that kind of a test. And you all know the story. Just as he's about to do it, he looks over and there's a ram that's been provided. See, we talked this morning about how, how through faith and patience you endure those kind of things. Why? To inherit the promise. To inherit the promise. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Man, all of this is based and centered on faith. Believing that God not only is who He is, but that He will do what He said He will do. And I've told you all over the past couple weeks that, you know, that Scripture tells us that if, if we pray and we ask anything, that He will do it. That he will do it. Now, I want you all to tie all that together. 
and, and center all those sermons that you've heard from me over the past few weeks and just point it all down to this one thing we're talking about tonight, faith. You see, all of that stuff is meaningless if you don't have the faith it takes. Because see, that one scripture we read that says that you have to ask, believing and not doubting, and you'll receive it. Not doubting. Now you don't think... Do y'all think that maybe at some point Abraham had doubt? Look, I, I have to believe based on that scripture that he didn't. I have to believe... Now he may have, he may have said, God, are you sure? You know, that wouldn't have been too crazy to ask God, am I hearing from God right now? But I have to believe based on what that word tells me that Abraham did not doubt God. The entire time he was walking up that mountainside, had his son carrying firewood, and they got up there and they built the altar to the point he tied him down and pulled his knife out and probably sharpened it a lick or two. He didn't doubt God. Didn't doubt him. And then I look at myself and how when I pray for somebody, there's always this, this little doubt. You know, are you sure this is going to do any good? Well, let me change that. It's not always. But there's times that that doubt creeps in. And I'm just praying for somebody to get over a cold. And here Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, not doubting but believing that God is going to perform. See, this is the key, believing that God's going to perform what He said He will perform. And see, that's where we need to get. We've got to get to that place where we believe God's Word. Believe God is going to do what God said He's going to do. See, that? why is that so hard? Why do we find ourselves in doubt so much? All we have to do is take God at His Word. God said He'll do it. Man, that ought to be good enough. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and close tonight. I know y'all probably all got stuff you need to do. Well, I thank y'all for coming. Hope you got something out of this. And Let's just... Y'all, listen, <clears throat> we need to renew our faith. Renew our faith. I don't know about y'all, it takes work on my part to renew my faith. Because I get tired, I get busy, and before long, I just, I'm not leaning on God. I'm not leaning on Him like I should. You know, we talked about that in the Sunday this morning, how... How we, we get wrapped up in self and, and we quit leaning on God and depending on Him to provide and to move and work in our life. You see, when you start leaning on yourself, there's no need for faith anymore. There's no point in it. You're, you're looking to yourself. We need to renew our faith. It's just like going to the grocery store and buying groceries. 
You got to go restock every now and then. 